Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. We love to tell stories with our families and our friends, don't we? We love when we get together, if we get a, a, a group of people together that share a, a common cause, a common family, a common organization. And I'll tell you what, often when a family member passes away, I will go speak with the family and I'll just sit down with them and I'll say, well, just tell me about your loved one. And, and nine times out of ten, after about the first five minutes, the tears turn to laughter. And they remember the good times and they start telling the stories of the things that brought them joy. That, that's what stories do, the, the remembering of what has happened in the past. Don and I get together with some of our friends from college and especially when I get together with my college friends from Charleston Southern at the time, we were engaged. She was at home working and making the money, and I was all finishing my four-year degree. And so I had all these experiences with these guys, and I would come home on the weekend and share them with her. So when we get together, we all talk about those times at Charleston Southern. And poor Donna, she just smiles and laughs, and she likes the family, but she wasn't there, and, and, and she just tolerates that. Every time we get together, we say, well, we're not going to talk about the same old stories. We're going to talk about, you know, what's going on now. And we never do. It's always, are y'all like that? Do y'all have friends like that? I always talk about the good old days, right? Well, the thing is, you know, you may go to your favorite sports stadium and you'll see the banners of championships and, and, and accolades that were won. And uh, people share those stories. They share those achievements. It's a legacy that they are fulfilling, right? Well, reliving the glory days gives you memories and insights that help you in your present day. So we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning as an act of remembrance. It is an act of love and appreciation for what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. It's because of Him we have forgiveness of our sins. It is because of Him that we have eternal life. It is because of Him that in our darkest of days that we can have hope. And the Lord's Supper is a way to celebrate that. So today we come to the Lord's table. Long before the days of fast food meals, microwaves, chicken nuggets, and hot pockets, you know, where you just grab something and go, there was a time where we would all sit down and not just get a, a sack of a value meal and, and put it in our car and chomp it down while we're going to wherever we're going. But there, there are times that where you get to just sit down with your family and talk about the day. You have to clean up, wash your hands. You got to communicate. You gotta share and enjoy your time together. I, I tell Donna all the time, you know, when, there are times where we will just sit down at our table, just the two of us, and those are the best times in the world because most of the time we're either in the, the den, just, just chomping down on something, we're out eating somewhere or in the car. But those times to where she, bless her heart, goes through the trouble of making some, a meal and us sitting down, turning off the TVs, turning off the music, and just being with one another is amazing. Do y'all find that true in your life? Do you find that true with your families? That's, you know, Thanksgiving has its own set of issues, I know. When you get family together, you always have issues. But the thing is, is that sitting around, sitting together, yeah, have you ever wondered why when someone passes away or there's a big event, everybody wants to bring chicken, you know, the comfort food, chicken or ham and, and uh, macaroni and cheese, all that comfort food? The food facilitates a time of just sitting around and talking about whatever you need to share. So I invite you today, 
I invite you to clean up. I invite you to communicate. I invite you to share with one another. And I invite you to enjoy your time together as we come to the Lord's table. Children, you can go to Children's Church now. And uh, we are going to sing, Come to the Table. Well, I want to share with you a few things about the Lord's Supper, and then we will, we will all partake it together. The first, I just want you to know why we do this. Many of you have probably heard this and know this, but some of you may not be that Baptist or may not be uh, that familiar with church and the Lord's Supper and why we do it. You know what it is, but what does it mean? Well, it's time for you and I to come take our seat at the dining table. Not only the dining table, but God's dining table. Our passage today is in Luke 22, verses 14 through 23. And it says, When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. So this is taking place right before the agony of the cross and the glory of the resurrection. This is his last meal, so to speak. He says in verse 16, For I tell you, now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in God's kingdom. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink the wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Then he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body. That little cracker that we eat represents the body of Christ, which is given to you. Then he says, Do this in remembrance of me. In verse 20, it says, After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people. New covenant is a very significant phrase. It is an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among you as friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits for the one who betrays him? And then the disciples began to ask each other, which of them would do such a thing? So here, Jesus has laid out a whole new covenant, a whole new way to gain the honor of God, and they just want to know who's the snitch. They, at this point, didn't realize the full ramifications of this meal. And I think a lot of times we as Christians don't understand the full ramifications of what the Lord's Supper means. You see, the celebration of the Lord's Supper, it begins at an event called Passover. You may have heard this before in sermons or maybe in vacation Bible school, but it comes out of Exodus 12. And the Passover was basically the last straw that God gave to the Egyptians because the the Hebrew slaves had been enslaved by Egypt and Moses told him on behalf of God, told Pharaoh many times, look, you need to let my people go. And the Pharaoh said, okay, I'll do it. But then he would go back on it several times. And Moses, or not Moses, but By Moses' word, God sent plagues among them. He made life terrible for them. But they decided, the Pharaoh always decided that, no, we're going to hold on to him. Well, in Exodus 12, God was preparing to move his chosen people. As a matter of fact, he told his chosen people, look, you need to get your stuff ready because in a couple of days, y'all are going to be moving whether you like it or not. 
And then God gave his people a test to prove their love and faith in him. You see, what had happened is Pharaoh, God had hardened his heart. And this is the only way that he could get the Hebrew slaves workforce out of there. Because the Pharaoh wasn't going to let him go. So God showed his mercy to those who would trust his word and his judgment. And he would judge those who would not do what he said. So here's what they were supposed to do. The night before the family went to bed, they were to sacrifice a young goat that had no blemishes. It had to be a perfect, a perfect young goat. And the thing is, they had to have cared with them for two weeks. So it was a real sacrifice. It wasn't just going down to Goats R Us and buying one and sacrificing one. This had to be basically the house pet. The kids got attached to it. Maybe the adults got attached to it. I don't know. But they would kill this goat and then they would take the blood of it and they would put it on the door jam, the outside door jam of their house. And so what would happen is, is when the death angel came that night, the death angel would go into every home. But if they saw the blood of the goat on the on the door, the death angel would pass over that house. That's where you get the term Passover. And so. Those that believed it, whether they were the slaves or not, even if the the Egyptians believed what was said, if they did it, they would have been saved as well. But for those that did not believe what Moses was saying, those that did not believe what God was saying, of course, when the death angel came by and there was no blood on the door jam, the firstborn child would die. So when everybody wakes up in the morning, there is horror because all of these Egyptian babies are, are gone. And then finally, even the Egyptians say, look, Pharaoh, you got to get these people out of here. So he forced the hand on them. And so it, the thing is, is that why blood? Why blood on the door jam so that the angel would pass over? Well, you know, the old covenant was that if you sinned, you would have to sacrifice an animal at the temple. And the priests would intercede on your behalf to get you your sins forgiven to make you clean and whole before God again. So earlier when we read that Jesus was establishing a new covenant, what does that mean? Jesus became the goat. Jesus became the lamb. His blood, the rules that God set for the atonement of sin, even in the Old Testament, he believed in it so much that he fulfilled it by sending his son to be the sacrifice. Why? Because there is power in the blood Leviticus 17.11, it says, For the life of the body is in the blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, to make you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. My friend, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, baptism didn't save you. The Lord's Supper didn't save you. The blood of Jesus Christ washed your sins away. And we do baptism and we do Lord's Supper as a remembrance, like I said earlier, of a storytelling where we can partake physically with what God did in our lives spiritually. And why blood? It says in Hebrews 9.22, it says, In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. And here it is. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. My friend, you can be the best person in the world. You can be a straight-A student. You can be a, a 
honored person among society. You could be a politician. You could be, you could cure cancer. You could do all of these things. But if you do not have the blood of Jesus Christ, then you are not forgiven. And on the other side of that, if you are the worst of worst people in here today, that blood will cleanse you too. Because the blood of Jesus is no respecter of what you got in your wallet or what you have on your back or what kind of titles you have or what kind of car you drive or how much money you got in your wallet or in the bank. The only thing the blood of Jesus cares about is your sins and it is forgiven. And that's why we do the Lord's Supper today. So in other words, those who are covered by the blood sacrifice are set free from the consequences of sin. But here's the thing. I want you to know. The Lord's Supper is not just a Baptist thing. It is a biblical thing. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are two ordinances. And when you hear me use the word ordinances, what does that mean? It means that it's a decree or a command, commanded by Jesus Christ. And we know this because in Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19, did you know that there is a progression that you're supposed to have the baptism before the Lord's Supper? You, you have to have, you have to be washed in the blood. You have to be cleansed. You have to be a new creature. You have to have been saved and be baptized and then follow up with the Lord's Supper. But sometimes people get them out of order and sometimes people will do one and not the other. See, baptism is the first step. If you go to Matthew 28 verses 18 and 19, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, this is the Great Commission, Go and make disciples of all the nations. And it doesn't say take the Lord's Supper first. It says baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some denominations use elements for the Lord's Supper as sacraments. There are some denominations that believe that it is actually the, the bread or it is actually the grape juice or for our other denominational friends, the actual wine that they use. They believe that that is actually what saves you, but it does not save you. It is a representation of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ that was broken and spilled out for your sin and for mine. The forgiveness of sin is only through God's grace. The Lord's Supper symbolizes and promotes unity. It's just like I tell people with baptism. Why, what's the big deal about baptism? Why does a Baptist church... Make somebody become baptized or know that they are baptized by immersion, meaning they go under the water. Why did that, why does that such a big deal? We have people that have come to our church that don't join our church because they were baptized in a different mode, in a different way, in a different religion. They don't think they need it anymore. But to be a member of a Baptist church, you either have to be baptized in that church or baptized in a Baptist church. Because that is one thing that, that we all agree on, that baptism is by immersion. It is by it is a picture of a watery grave is that when you are here and you go under the water, that is the old person. That was you before you met Christ. And then when you're raised up to new life, that is the new creature that the Bible talks about. Now, that the water doesn't save you. That process doesn't save you. The blood of Jesus saves you. But I'll go ahead and tell you, I was baptized twice. The first time I got wet, the second time I knew what I was doing. And the thing is, is that. When you go through the water and you go through that process, you get to physically feel 
what happened on the inside. And not only that, when you're up there and the family's all beaming out here because their loved one's getting baptized and the preacher's up there doing that and maybe the kid will splash around a little bit and get a choir member wet. That's always fun, right? Unless you're the choir member. But the truth of the matter is, is that when you see that, you become a part of the process. And if your name is on the roll of this church and you have been baptized and you are a member, they have now gone through exactly what you have gone through. If you talk to somebody that's never been baptized by immersion, you will not have that action in common. It's a big deal for the Bible. It's a big deal for Baptists. As a matter of fact, Baptists, did you know we got our name because of baptism by immersion? People were making fun of us. Because of that. But we're standing on God's word. But this message is not about baptism. Baptism leads to the Lord's Supper. See, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all things and through all. You see, not only does the Lord's Supper, I mean, not only does baptism and the Lord's Supper give you a thing to to rally around, it is a form of unity. The Lord's Supper means getting honest with ourselves. And I think too many people are guilty of not doing this. And when I was younger, I did the same thing. But the Lord's Supper means getting honest with ourselves. Look at 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, verses 27 through 32. I encourage you to look at that on your phone or at the Bible that's in the pew in front of you or just listen and make a note and go back and read it. But the Lord's Supper, I want you to know today, the Lord's Supper is not for everyone. We cannot take the Lord's Supper if we are in a sinful place. And I don't mean your location. I mean the location of your heart in God. We must examine ourselves. This is what the scripture says. So anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the body of the Lord. In other words, if someone takes the Lord's Supper in an unclean state, they're sinning against the church that they take it with, and they're sinning against the Lord for who it represents. He says in verse 28, this is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that he will not We will not be condemned along with the world. Folks, the Lord's Supper is a proclamation that Jesus is Lord. The Lord's Supper is a commitment to live that life that Jesus died for so that we could have it. It's a time to renew your commitment to God. And it's a time to act on love and to worship. So all who are worthy, come celebrate today. Do not sin this morning by taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Because if you sin, and if you have sin in your life, confess it before you take it, my friend. Because the blood that we celebrate this morning is the same blood that covers your sin. And I just want to be honest with you. Sometimes I, I get blunt, and I'm just going to be blunt now. To take the Lord's Supper and have a sinful state status in our life and in our heart doesn't mean you're perfect. But if you've got sin, resentment, bitterness guilt in your heart that you refuse to give to God and you take the Lord's Supper, you are mocking God. 
And the Bible says that God will not be mocked. If you refuse to yield to God this morning, then you mock God by observing the sacrifice that you don't want to take. To take the Lord's Supper, but to reject Jesus as your Savior and Lord is a slap in the face, is it not? If you have bitterness in your heart against someone, today is the day to fix it. If you are at peace with God, then approach the Lord's Supper as an expression of love to Jesus. Forgiving his life for yours is the ultimate sacrifice. So we come to the Lord's Supper, a time of communion. A time to participate in Jesus' death. And a time of evaluation. And a time of identification. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to ask our chairman of deacons, Brother Al Harrell, if he'd come up and we're going to take the sheet off of the Lord's Supper. And let me explain how we're going to do it today. We are going to be COVID friendly. Now, normally we have the deacons and the, the, the leaders and some of the ushers sometimes come forward and we, we pass the plates. But we're going to do it a little differently today. I saw this. I saw some other churches were doing this. And I thought, well, we can do it too. This is your little communion kit. Isn't it cute? It looks like a coffee creamer almost. But what you'll have is you have the wafer on the top protected by plastic. And then you have another layer, which is the juice. So, isn't it cool? And so I was thinking, I really wanted us to have the Lord's Supper. Now, Miss Pauline, if she were alive, she'd probably be rolling in her grave knowing we're doing this. Because her and, and, and so many of our other lovely ladies get this stuff ready. But I was just thinking, this way we can have communion also with the leftover ones. When COVID is over, this is something we could take to our homebound and have communion with them. Again, it's not about whether we have a loaf of bread or a goblet or the good old plastic cups with the Baptist juice in it and, and the little stale crackers. Honestly, when they, when they did the Lord's Supper, the bread was almost like it was unleavened bread, so it was like a really hard cracker. And I'm sure that their mouth was dry because, because it had no yeast because yeast represented sin. But for this way, we're going to do this. And so what I'm going to do is, for now, I'm just going to put... These here, I'll put two here. And Brother Al, I'll get you to go to um, the nursery and see if they'd like one, if that's okay. And then um, maybe go back and Tammy and those up front and somebody get one for Tristan. So what I want to do is that we're not going to pass them out. What we're going to do actually is, let me just know what to do with this. What I want you to do is I just want you to get up by rows. Uh, and if you can't, you don't want to walk up here and get it, you want a family member to get it, look, you can get one for your family, but don't get one for somebody else, okay? So just come on up and uh, get one of, however many of these kits you need, and then return to your seat. And when everyone returns to their seat, we'll continue with the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 24 says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given to you. 
do this in remembrance of me. Now we're going to hear a song about the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ will never lose its power. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25, says, In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant. And again, remember, the new covenant being we no longer need a priest to intercede for us. We no longer need the blood of animals to atone for our sins. Jesus Christ's blood, once and for all, has atoned for our sins. That is a new covenant by faith in Jesus Christ alone. He says, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. This was God's signature of the contract in his son's blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink this. So I hope by the end of this service that all of us, including myself, have examined our hearts. And we have taken this as an act of love and remembrance. All of us, when we leave this place, we have in common the fact that we are believers in Jesus Christ. And we have signified it through the taking of the Lord's Supper. This is a very special and intimate thing that we share together as Christians. And I hope that there are people out there that we can get to join, become Christians, and be able to take that with us. Because that blood never loses its power, and I depend on it every single day. I want to thank you so much for being here today. I'm so glad, praise you God, that we could have a Lord's Supper in a way that we feel is is safe. God is so good.